0: Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. It's football and random things on a Labor Day Monday. Iowa State with a 16 to 10 win over Northern Iowa on Saturday. We are going to recap all of that and of course preview Saturday's game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Jeff Woody, it uh pretty there was nothing pretty about anything that we saw at Jack Trice stadium on Saturday, except for the crowd and seeing everybody in the tailgate lots and everything. That was beautiful. Everything that happened on the football field was ugly.
1: I think it was I ugly. Say, it, I would say I swipe
0: left on Tinder. That's what I'd I would do. It's say, swipe left on that game.
1: Well, two things. One it's victory Monday. So who cares? Yeah. Uh, and two is, I think Iowa state's defense actually played really solid. I think there was a lot, there was a lot to be excited for defensively, um, and the old adage, nothing's ever as good as it seems and nothing's ever as bad as it seems, um, I think applies to this game and it, it applies to the upcoming game. Cause we both watched Iowa. I mean, you have to be at least relatively informed going into this. And, um, I think offensively their uh, they didn't have a ton of output. Like Iowa didn't, Uh, if we're getting, I mean, just to jump ahead a little bit, like Iowa didn't have a ton of offensive output, they had one big run, which was, I think on a busted play by Indiana. Um, And then the rest of it was pretty pedestrian, but they also like, I think Spencer Petras, it was like 13 for 28 or something like that, but like five were drops and four were, were thrown away passes. So other than, good decision plays or, be, or just drops. He was like 13 for 17. So like offensively his passing statistics look bad, but he actually played better than what that looked like. And then defensively uh, nothing's ever as good as it seems is they were their defensive output is absolutely astronomical. And like Riley Moss, shout out to Ankeny kid, shout out to Ankeny sports performance, acceleration Iowa. Good job. Uh, but shout out, or like other than that, you know, they had this huge output, but Indiana also like, just gave them a lot of those opportunities. So it's not like you can translate a lot of those. Like the first pick six, it was the route run fine by a wide receiver ball thrown well by a quarterback, just bounce off his chest. It's right place, right time. You get lucky. Like, so it, nothing's ever as good. As it seems. Nothing's ever as bad. As it seems take that back to Iowa state. Uh, nothing's ever as bad as it seems. You watch that game back and there is usually like one kind of big, easy mental mistake that shot the play right away that are super easy to correct. And then they're also really bad on third downs. And then again, it's not like anybody made a mistake, but there is kind of what the, the Charlie Kohler factor on third downs Mm -hmm. to understand, like the one specifically talking about uh, is in the two minute drive, the one where Brock took the sack. uh, It was like a third and three. They dropped back chase Allen is on the right side. He didn't look like he didn't turn around and look for the ball despite the fact that there was a pressure look by you and I, he didn't turn and look for the ball to his four yards past the first down line. Well, Charlie understand. That's one of the reasons why Charlie and Brock work well together. Charlie understands there's a pressure. Look, it's third and three. I need four yards Barry on the, you know, box out linebacker. Ch- Brock's going to put on his outside shoulder End of conversation. There's no sack. It's a first down. They potentially score a touchdown there. And Iowa State goes into half instead of set, or thirteen to ten or whatever it was. They go into seventeen to ten and have two consecutive touchdown drives. The complexion of the game is totally different. Like nothing's ever as good as it seems. Nothing's ever as bad as it seems. But a win is a win is a win is a win. Victory Monday. Move on to Iowa
0: for sure. And I think you know I would. I was looking at the their like success on first down and it is not corollary of where they were at on third down, like how they actually played on third downs. I mean, they averaged almost 6.2 yards per play on first down, but then still their average third down distance to go is almost six yards. And
1: a lot of of that was penalties.
0: Yeah. They had three first down penalties. Mm -hmm. So they did things that, and and none of those penalties were like egregious or anything like that. It was just stupid little things, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you clean some of those things up, then all of a sudden you know, the game probably looks completely different and everybody feels a lot better because it's 28 to 10 instead of, or, you know, 27 to 10, instead of 16, it's just six points. But uh-huh. like, there's nothing about that with the offense that I walk away from. And I'm like, man, that offense is, you know, they had a tough day. It's like, well, they made some dumb mistakes that shot themselves in the foot. And at the end of the day, like they can fix them and move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so what I, what I really like, and so this is my correlation to Like a lot of people are like, well, yeah, it was still only 16 to 10, um, you know, again, we, I, I think we, it, it, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back because we also did a little bit of it of like, I think we both saw, and I think a lot of responsible football fans, uh, you know, see Northern Iowa and go shoot, man, like they don't get beat or, or often. And I think we talked about it in the podcast that it was going to be closer ish, but eventually we thought Iowa state would run away. So the first half wasn't surprising. The second half, the fact that Iowa state didn't pull away was a little surprising um, but also at the same time, you can kind of see where that came from. So we probably got fell into the trap ourselves a little bit of kind of the hype train, even though we tried to slow the hype train down, uh, cause our picks column and everybody picked Iowa state to like win by 25 points. So ultimately we all were victim to it, but I think we were both and everybody who knows Northern Iowa was expecting that to be minimally a close first half. And they hung around more than you were expecting. Um, but what I really like about Saturday, uh, is to use a golf metaphor, when you're, I think, when you're trying to improve on golf, and like Patrick Cantley won the, you know, the, the one, the PJ, whatever, the, the PJ FedEx Cup and won, won like $15 million. And not every shot that he hit was perfect, but his misses were recoverable misses. They weren't like wildly completely off the radar. And so, like, for, if I, for me, I'm not near that gun. I'm like a, you know, if I hit an 80, if I shoot an 86, I'm happy. But the thing that improves a golfer is that your bad shots are 10 yards off the fairway, or it's a straight down the line. It's just kind of topped versus being six fairways over. And so the reason why I'm bringing this metaphor up is Iowa state did not play their best game on offense, but their mistakes were very small. They were correctable mistakes. It wasn't a pick six. It wasn't, special teams, giving up two touchdowns. It wasn't, um, fumbling inside the 10 yard line that Brock Purdy has to recover, uh, in triple overtime, whatever. It's not that those mistakes weren't the mistakes generally that were made. It was mistakes like Brock overthrowing, like the, the very first drive, the three plays in the first drive, if I remember correctly, are first play, uh, Brees hall stretch play to the left side, Brees missed a cut, like a very easy read. Jared Russ kicks his guy out. Brees should have cut underneath where Russ kicked the guy out. Didn't miss the cut. Okay, too excited. Scratch that one to a misplay. The second one I think was the catch fumble by Skates, which really wasn't a catch fumble. Should have been an incompletion, but doesn't really matter. Russ got on top of it. Uh, and then the third play, Brock had an open Xavier Hutchinson, but overthrew him. That's an overexcitement en- mistake, an overexcitement mistake, an overexcitement mistake. But it's also more or less assuming that wouldn't have been a fumble had it you know gone the other way. He got would have gotten challenged and, and overturned. Then it's basically missed cut. Incompletion, incompletion. That's fine. Punt the ball away and live to play another down. So, like the mistakes that they made this year in relation to years past were a chunk shot that's still in the middle of the fairway. It was not your best, and you it's obviously not what you want, but it's a recoverable mistake that you can still get on there in two and one putt, and all of a sudden you still have a par. It's fine. So, like, was it perfect? Absolutely not. Was it a drastically horrible game? Absolutely not. Is there a lot to learn from? Yes. So I think the happiness that kind of the, where it comes from is they are, there are mistakes that they made that they can recover from and learn from. And again, move on to Iowa. Cause you got a W.
0: And I think too, a lot of that, I mean, a lot of those things you just expect to happen in a first game, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in, just I mean,
1: all across the country too. Oh right? yeah. Across the country
0: everywhere. And I want to say too, I think that maybe, maybe we had the wrong read on the, what, was going to happen from playing in the spring or I was wrong. I'll admit I was wrong about how big of an Matt impact playing in right. the spring would have playing in the, uh, to playing in the fall. Like, yeah, cause look what Montana did to Washington. Yeah. There was a lot of teams, FCS teams across the country that were pushing these or beating uh, or beating, pushing or beating power five teams. Yeah. And I mean, I think the best example of this Northern Iowa tackled incredibly well, like mm-hmm. for a first game, mm-hmm. I, I did i bet you could count the number of missed tackles that Northern Iowa had on Saturday on one hand yeah. that I can think of at least. And in, even then it was situations where it's Brees hall one-on-one with a defensive back in the out in space. And I mean, not it many defensive backs yeah. across the country are making that tackle mm. at any level. And so it's, one of those things where like, I think you can chalk some of that up to you and I, especially defensively where it's just like, man, those guys are definitely in rhythm and they look like they have played a football game a lot more recently than Iowa state had.
1: Yeah. And us idiots thought it would be a disadvantage, but right. I think Matt Campbell said it. God knows how many times, three, think- three to five times said like, it is, they have an
0: advantage of playing in the spring. Well, shoot. It turns out he was right. Well, and I think wait until the middle of the year with them and and we'll try and get a different and see how it is then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because that's where I feel like maybe fatigue and, you know, just the physical beating that your body takes from playing that many football games in a calendar year. That's like, when that could kind of come back to play, especially at the FCS level where they're not going to have as much depth as the FPS.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but again, like shout out to you and I, I mean, they, they, they played, they did everything the way that you should do it in order to give yourself the chance to win a game against a team like Iowa state where you gotta like schematically, and this will come out. Um, it'll be on the doing a full hour for channel five, uh, for the Cyhawk, uh, game day on, on Saturday, but also in the column is going to be more in depth. that will come out on Wednesday talking about what you and I did like schematically, which kind of frustrated Iowa state a little bit, which caused, like they identified where Iowa state, uh, coming into the year could potentially cause, have some little wrinkles and where those wrinkles can be exploited. And so they caused Iowa state to be frustrated and make kind of poor decisions or, or force them some decisions they wanted to make. And so like you and I was really well coached. They put themselves in position to, to make plays. They actually made the plays. And then you, I mean, as you can, all you can ask in a game where you are on un, the underdog is in the in the fourth quarter, do you have a shot to make a couple plays to win the game? Yes, great. Then you did all you need to do. And if you didn't make those plays, like McIlvain throws that interception, I don't know where he was throwing it to, but McIlvain doesn't throw that interception, they drive down, who knows what happens. But they managed they were in the game, they had the chance, made it, didn't make a couple plays, ball game over. So I think they did everything they needed to do within themselves to give themselves a chance to win. And we, we probably, again, we rode the high trend probably a little bit too hard, but, um, that is sort of what should be expected from a UNI game anywhere.
0: How would you evaluate the play of the offensive line?
1: Uh, nothing's ever as good as it seems. Nothing's ever as bad as it seems. I don't think it was that bad. Uh, there were, I think a lot of it was okay. So like the, the two easy examples, um, again, that back to that first play, the, the very first play of the game was a stretch to the side, to the, the Iowa state sideline from Brees hall. It was full stretch zone. It was, we're going to get the ball to Brees. He's really good. Usually at reading this play, he's going to get up, make one cut, get up the field, you know, and if, if he makes somebody miss, he makes somebody miss and takes it for 80. Um, and what you're looking for are for lack of a better term, you're looking for two butts to face each other, two of your own team's butts to face each other. So if you have a, a, a fullback that's kicking somebody out, and a tight end that has reached somebody, then the tight end's facing in towards the ball and the fullback's facing away, there's your gap that you're running through. So Brees normally is really good at seeing where that is. The offensive line blocked it perfectly. Jared Russ was in perfect position. He had a great kick out and it was a linebacker a safety. And Brees, if Brees puts his foot in the ground right behind Jared or right behind Russ, then he is one-on-one with the safety. And there's another safety that's coming over top for help. So it's probably not going to be a touchdown, but it's going to be eight or nine yards right away. First play of the game. He misses He misses where Russ's block where he misreads it. Just flat out misreads. It plays over the top. And the guy that Russ is kicking out then becomes like a box tackle, which means there's one guy in your left shoulder, one guy on your right shoulder. So the safety that would have been unblocked becomes the left shoulder box tackle guy. And the guy that Russ was blocking became the right shoulder box tackle guy. So it looked like, if you don't watch the play itself, it looked like the offensive line or the fullbacks or tight ends didn't block anybody. Well, they did. Brees just went to the wrong spot. They were Russ was pushing a guy away from where he was supposed to be going. Brees just happened to run into where that guy was happening. So offensive line does it. Perfect. Brees screws it up on that play. Cause he's shoot. I, I know. I mean, would you want to be read a perfect Yeah, but he's playing in front of 68,000 people. He wants to run as fast as he can. Like stuff happens. It's week one. Uh, and then this, another play, which I think was, I don't remember first or second drive, but gyro Brock's in there, uh, you and I runs a, 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 like it's like a pressure. It's a twist pressure where the, as the quarterback looks at the defense, the left defensive end. And then there was a blitzer that was outside of him. And so the defensive end is the responsibility of the tackle. The blitzer is the responsibility of gyro Brock. Your job as a running back in pass protection is always inside out. Because if you step up forward into the B gap and the guy ends up in the C gap, well, you can adjust outwards and kind of push him backwards because then the quarterback just steps up all of a sudden still has a clean pocket. If you start outside and that guy runs underneath you, the best you can try and do is flatten him all the way across the formation. But most likely that guy's going to run directly into where the quarterback is stepping into. So the quarterback can't be on rhythm. Well, what does gyro Brock do steps outside the, what happened is the defensive end ran straight up the field. And the linebacker kind of peeled underneath him. So defensive end ran to the C gap or outside shoulder of the tackle. The blitzer came into the B gap underneath the tackle, so the outside shoulder of the guard, inside shoulder of the tackle. And gyro Brock was outside the tackle, so there was no way he could actually get to that blocker. Then he goes, uh oh, and tries to recover. And in recovering back underneath to go pick that guy up, he runs into Brock Purdy as he as Brock's trying to move away from the defender that he missed. Offensive line did their job. They called everything. They blocked everything. Gyro Brockness where he was supposed to be. Again, it's week one stuff. Like you don't know where those blitzes are coming from. It's hard to see where everything's going. His technique was kind of shoddy. He was probably excited too. So like the offensive line had a lot of times where it wasn't necessarily that they blocked poorly. It was that the situation or the back or the tight end, or someone doesn't fit necessarily perfectly and it just doesn't look like there is a good block. So I think they played okay. The game flow and the other things that were going on made it look like they weren't as effective as they were. So nothing's as bad as it seems. So I, I would give them, I don't know, like a B. I would give them a, a C or a B. It's, not, it's definitely not an F game. It's definitely not an A game, but it's also first like first week. They're going to clean it up and they're, they're going to be okay. So I, I, I don't think it's that bad.
0: How much of this is just needing to have film of when the bullets are flying and being able to, you know, not where it's in practice, where you don't necessarily always know what's coming, but you kind of know what's coming a lot of the time. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you can start to get a little bit lazy with some of those things or something like that. But then you get back into the game and it's like, oh man, okay, this is what it means when you mess up one time, you know? Yeah, And
1: and you can go well in practice and whether or not you do it intentionally or not, you're like, I, I know for me, like if I'm doing a pass pro and Jeremiah George is going to rush, Jeremiah George is going to bull rush me. I know that for a fact. So I have to come with a lot more pop to try and meet Jeremiah George. If I'm doing that against AJ or Jake, or uh, I mean, fill in the blank with most other linebackers. If I'm going to be doing that against another linebacker, like AJ would, would very rarely like to bull rush. He liked to play with his hands and kind of be like a defensive end. And so if I were to come at AJ with the same speed that I had, because like Jeremiah George is running full speed, no move. He's not trying to move sideways. He's trying to run your ass over and get to the quarterback. So I have to meet that same force, which you kind of have to sacrifice a little bit of technique to get some speed. And so if I'm going to do that, I'm going to meet Jeremiah George, full speed. boom, and that's going to be a block. But I know that because I've done it a million times. And I mean, most of the time he would get by me because he's really good uh, AJ on the other hand would not do that. He would come full speed to try and make you think like he's going to do that bull rush. And then he's going to swim or swipe or play underneath you. So if you come full speed, like you're going to block Jeremiah, you would end up getting Your face mask would hit the dirt because AJ is going to swim around you. And like you get used to what happens with each single person. So you kind of have like a built-in film reel of what you need to do against your own team. So it was probably a good reminder to say like, look guys, you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's coming because we've been playing each other for so long that now like, Hey, you know, when there's a linebacker coming, it's not always Mike Rose, Mike it's not Will McDonald,
0: that's coming off on the edge. It's, you know, like something someone like else. that. It's not yeah.
1: Mike. Mike likes to have this move or Orion Vance likes to do this thing. Well, it's it, the guy might be in the same position. It might be the same front that you saw with Orion Vance, but it's not Orion Vance. You have to approach it differently the way that guys fit, the way everything feels a little bit different. So you would hope, or you would have hoped that they would have gotten a better idea of that kind of because they're such a mature team to know that it's going to be different when you're actually meeting against someone else. But I it's, it probably did or does take that, even for a team that's returning 36 of their two deep, it, it probably does take that first live reps to go like, Oh yeah, this is okay. I need to definitely take a more conservative approach here. I need to be more aggressive here because You know, it's not Will McDonald. It's not Mike Rose. It's not J.R. Singleton. Like it is a different human being that has different tendencies that I
0: don't know. So what would, what would you give the running backs for a grade just for the entire day then? Ah, if you say you give the offensive line a B or a C, I mean, I would
1: give the running backs slightly worse than that. Um, and I think that's also a graded on a curve, like the expectations for the running. And my expectations for the running backs are a little bit higher um, because they have such defined roles, like Brees is the, do most of the things back. He is run, catch screens, um, you know, be the, be, be a dynamic playmaker and block sometimes. And then gyro Brock is be a blocker, be physical, and then spell Brees and run the ball a little bit, put your head down, uh, you know, be inside the tackles. Like they have such clearly defined roles.
0: He had some good um, runs when he ran the ball.
1: He did. Yeah. And And so it's just a matter of like the expectations for them is really high because they've played a lot of ball and you have a little bit more time as a running back than you do as an offensive lineman. Cause the guy you're trying to hit as an offensive lineman, you could probably smell his breath, like where you are lined up. He's literally a foot away from you. Whereas running back, you have five yards to kind of react to something. So I tend to think that it comes a little bit quicker for a a back or a, 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 like a running back to just be able to see it because you have a little bit more space. Um, But again, at the same time, you are reacting to what other people do and you are reacting to what your offensive line does. So if they don't have it quite figured out, or you're not hundred percent sure on the rhythm or where they're going to fit or, you know, so it's week one stuff. I would say, yeah, lower mid C, I'd give them a C for what the expectations for what that group can and should be doing is probably about a C. All
0: right. Then real quick. I mean, the last thing we haven't talked about on the offensive side, and then we'll talk about the defense and and take a break. Uh, I mean, I thought Brock had a, Solid day. He was a bright spot. Like, yeah, it was it, the it, bright spot on offense. He didn't do anything like remarkable, but he was just really solid, and he was obviously efficient. I mean, he only threw, I think, five incompletions. Yeah, it was twenty-one to twenty-six, one hundred ninety-seven yards. Uh, Obviously, no touchdowns or interceptions. But I mean, I I thought that he could. He played about as good of a day as he could on when you are not going to do anything to score. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and
1: and just back to that golf metaphor, like. His, his missed shots in years past, he's thrown an interception or he's fumbled the ball or made a really bad read or gambled something or whatever. And, and he'd have a tee shot that goes plunks into the water, you know, like you got it to, it's, it's really bad, hard to recover from this one. If he did have a bad play, it was like in the first cut of the rough where like, it's not perfect, but it's very far from dangerous. And so I think that's the thing. And obviously, I mean, it was the story about Brock coming into this year was bro. You don't have to do everything. Like we got playmakers around you. You don't have to be, you don't have to make every single play. You have a great defense. You've got a great running game. You've got a great receivers. You're fine. And so that lesson was definitely applied. Like he, he played within the system was hitting people where they needed to get hit. Uh, again, the Charlie factor is imagining on a few situations when he, whether it was scrambling like the one he missed to chase chase just doesn't have the same feel for space as Charlie does. So like, I would imagine, uh, Charlie is going to come and and maybe I I didn't watch that one. It's hard to see from the exact angle, but I would imagine chase didn't come back to the sideline as much as Brock was expecting him to come back to the sideline, which is why it looked like it was super errant. Like it might've been a little bit of an errant pass, but with Charlie understanding space and motion really well with a quarterback, he's going to adjust to where Brock is going. So that play that looked like a bad pass was probably something that like Charlie at least gets his hands on because he's adjusting back with it. And that's where Brock's expecting it to be. So, but like all of his mistakes, like the the mistakes that he was making were throw it high and out of bounds. Like there's if it's it's Xavier Hutchinson going to catch the ball or no, one's going to catch the ball and we punt. All right, big deal. We got the best defense in the conference, run them out there. So, uh, I thought Brock was a, definitely a bright spot. There were some more things. I'm sure there were things that he could have done, could have checked plays, could have gotten people in the right spot. So I don't want to give him like an a plus, but I would say like an a B plus a minus, at least for Brock. I think he was the for best first player. Game, on offense. Yeah. yeah. I think for he was game, the best player on offense. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. And I think that he, that throw that he made to Joe skates in the corner of the end zone was a beautiful ball, especially yeah. with where, especially with what skates left him. So yeah. like they always,
1: uh, Herman always called it the four yard highway, which is you want to be four yards off the sideline and you have to battle the defensive back to stay four yards off the sideline because the quarterback needs that four yards to throw you away from the defender. Well, skates gave him about a half yard highway. And so he was, I mean, he put it exactly the only place that it could have gone with right. how skates was kind of pushed to the sideline. So he's got a battle. Skates has to battle that defensive back more towards the field to give Brock room. But even with that, he almost made the play. Like if, if skates is Hakeem Butler length, that's a touchdown. Cause you can just go reach for it and keep his foot on the ground, but you know, no one is Hakeem Butler length. So it's he still damn near got it. Yeah. I mean, it was oh, six, six ten 10 inches out of, out of bounds. So it was, yeah, I, I, I think Brock was B plus a minus. I thought very solid, especially
0: for week one. All right. It would be hard to give the defense anything but an A. I think, or you probably give them a B because of the fact that they did allow the two big plays that turned into a touchdown. But other than that, man, I mean, that uh, I charted it out or I didn't chart it out, but I just did the math. Uh, You take out the two plays, the 37 yard pass where Will McElvain's falling down and And it goes through through O'Brien Vance's hands hands and Mm -hmm. uh, is caught by a guy that takes it 37 yards. And then the 52 yard touchdown, like two plays later, they had. 58 plays for 186 yards which is about 3.2 yards per play, which is very bad. Yeah. I mean, very good for a defense. Yeah. Is, is elite for a defense. And uh, I think Northern Iowa crossed into Iowa state field two other times. It was the field goal and, and the last play of the game. Yeah. Or they might've gotten there one more time, but it was like when they threw the interception and they had like just crossed the 50 yard line.
1: Yeah. So it was the the defense played. Awesome. Uh, they missed more tackles than they should, but again, it's week one, like you're not going to be perfect. Uh, they also played, um, and and what I think this is similar, like, and this is going to kind of preview the second half of the show is going to be talking upcoming, talking about Iowa, Iowa and Iowa state's defenses played actually really, really similar. The, the mistakes that were presented to them they took advantage of, they just were much smaller mistakes for Northern Iowa than they were for Indiana that Iowa took advantage of. So like the mistakes that Northern Iowa made, like that, it's really funny. If you have the chance, go back and watch Will McDonald's first sack because the tackle thought it was on two. the rest of the field, all 21 other guys knew that it was on one. And so he doesn't move the right tackle. Doesn't move a muscle the guard goes to take a pass set and pass sets into the tackle who's still in his stance. The tackle falls on his ass and Will McDonald is unblocked to go get McIlvain. Like that's a mistake that you take advantage of. You get a sack oh, drive over. Like that's a mistake that happens. Indiana, the mistakes that they made were receiver trips on a, 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 an out route the quarterback puts too much, uh, you know, uh, a million miles, like a fastball right to his numbers. It bounces straight up in the air. Riley Moss catches it, scores touchdown. Like both of those things are capitalizing on a mistake. It's just a smaller mistake to have happen. Um, so I think the defense, other than like, honestly, the one that goes through Orion Vance's hands, where Will McIlvain freaking submarine pitches that one to through th- tr- that is schoolyard. There is nothing you can do about that. That's Pat Mahomes type stuff. There is. Yeah. It's, you know, this is a, ear, mouth. this is a shit happens moment. Yeah. Like, there, there is nothing you can do about
0: that. That's just bad luck or good luck for you. And I shout out to Will McIlvain though, man, that guy is, he's something else, dude. He plays. I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason he plays the best games of his career against Iowa state. He didn't yeah. even play that well in this game, but he's still like the, it, you sit there and you're like, man, I, this guy drives me crazy. I'm glad he they don't some, have to play him again. He's got some confidence. He's got some swagger. I like it. Did you uh, see his five one five chain? Hey, he's from Lincoln dude. South side pride. Southside, sir, yes, sir,
1: Um, but I, the, 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 the one play that I would have a little bit of hesitation against or like, like irritation with is the touchdown. Like that was the, the mistake that actually is a preventable mistake. They, I, I was, I think it wasn't, there was a, wasn't it a linebacker that was in man-to-man coverage of the wide receiver or, or a running back. Like it was, And he tried to jump underneath it. And the two safeties were kind of out of position to make that tackle understanding where it was. So they, there was, you probably shouldn't have dove for that ball, like make it a catch tackle, make them earn their way down the field. Uh, but if you do, you should have safeties behind you that are going to make that tackle. So he doesn't scamper for 52. Like that's a thing that Haycock is probably going to lay into him about because that's a mistake that this defense is meant to prevent against. Like you have guys behind you who should be able to do that. And you shouldn't gamble that much to make that play. It's like there's, I don't know the intricacies, what the play call was, and maybe he's supposed to try and play aggressive, but that is a play that shouldn't happen. Whereas the one where McElmaine's again, falling down, upside down and underhand tosses one sideways. Like, all right, buddy, you win that one. Good job. Like that's a Steph Curry falling backwards from 47 feet out. And he makes a three. You're like, all right, I couldn't have played any better defense hats off. Let's get the next one.
0: Yeah. And you don't, you have not seen that very often from Iowa state or any team playing against Iowa state where they get, they're able to catch a short pass. I mean, or, you know, intermediate pass, I guess, and then take it for, catch and run for 52 mm. yards. Like yeah. the, the number of times that that's happened in the last five years is very, very small. That's what it, why it was surprising to me. I was like, damn, it's not very often that they allow anything like that. Well,
1: and I think that's the Lawrence white factor is that Lawrence white would be there because he's oh he's always in the right spot. Lawrence white, Greg Isworth and Ishim young, those three back there with as much experience or talent as Ishim young in that case, as much experience and talent as those guys have, and having seen a lot of football they are going to be in the right spot to put it on the ground, like get the ball on the ground. Okay. You caught the ball at 11 yards. You ran for five more. It's a 16, 16 yard gain. Big deal. Do it again. Let's see if you can do it again like that. Just make them earn it. And I think I would guess that there was either a linebacker or a safety or multiple people that should have been based on the front and the protection or not the front based on the form formation and the motion whatever and the splits should have probably seen that that was a thing coming. They just hadn't had enough reps against other people to know that that was a case. So again, not perfect. I can't say the defense because of that. I can't say like it's an a plus game, but it's damn near close. I mean, two interceptions, one of which probably should should have been batted down, but Hey, get the pick, man, get the pick. Uh, so it's two interceptions, three yards of play, including that includes the 30 yards or 40 yards in the very last play of the game where they're just, I, the safeties are playing 57 yards off the ball. Like that includes that play too. So like f- probably 120 of their yards came on three plays. So that's probably half of their offensive output. So other than those three plays, which one of them, you're just spotting them yards. Cause you just need to get it on the ground with six seconds to play. Pretty darn good. Like that is about as good as a defense can play in week one because Again, there's stuff that's going to happen. Tackles aren't going to get off the ball. Just take advantage of those mistakes when they're made.
0: Yeah. They had, uh, you and I had only two other plays that went for, um, they had one other pass that went for 15 plus and one run in the entire game that went for 10 or more yards. And that's it. And wasn't that McElvain, the scramble? Uh, no, it was Dom Williams up the, up the middle for an 11 yard gain okay. in the second quarter. So the only play that they had in the second half that went for 15 plus through the air was that very last one, the last play of the game, which is pretty darn good. Yeah. Which is pretty pretty darn good. good. And I mean, at the end of the day, that defense, no matter what, with the offense, the defense is good enough that they are going to keep people in. They're going to keep Iowa state in every game Mm -hmm. in my mind, unless something like unbelievable happens where they're turning the ball over and having to defend like 20 yard fields.
1: Well, that and, um, just the, I think that tackling is going to continue to get better. Like it's the first time they were probably tackling, maybe it might've been like the third or fourth time they're tackling any human being since last year. Like they, they stayed off of contact for a long time to try and keep people healthy. Um, and just working on, you know, weight and whatever, all that kind of stuff. So like their tackling wasn't ideal and that's not the, it's not super surprising in week number one, but other, again, you, if you're nitpicking, on allowing 150 yards of offense outside of three plays. All right, let's nitpick. But uh, overall, they're going to tackle better as the season goes along. They're going to be in better position on those intermediate passing games. I thought uh, uh, 19 What's his name. Kamani King. Kamani King played pretty well. Like by the time the second half rolled around and he'd seen some snaps, I think Kamani King kind of showed that he is the other guy. Like he is the the Lawrence White replacement. So, yeah, Kamani King, Aishim Young, gray guys work back there. You got Daytron Young, who, dude, solid. Like, he is, he, to this point, he is the most improved player since Jaquan Bailey. Uh, he
0: well, earned his, he's earned his name again. He's earned his
1: name. <laughs> his number two is now Daytron Young. And then Anthony Johnson, I mean, he, he had an absolute hell of a game, too. Like, there yes. was, they didn't even try throwing at 26. The one time they did, he batted it down. Like, just, they're not throwing at 26. Uh, and then the front. I think played pretty well. And also while we're talking about that side of the ball, the, one of the things that really stuck out is the Trevor Penning kid, the left tackle seven, number 70, he can ball. He mm-hmm. is really good. So, and he, him and Will McDonald, I mean, that was shoot. That was tough him and, and, and Penning and any were going back and forth with each other too. Like it was, he is a solid player. I, I would imagine that he is every bit the first or second round draft pick that people are kind
0: of projecting him to be. Cause Dude is real. Dude. Imagine if they'd had that offensive line with him and Spencer Brown. Oh yeah. On either Here's side Bills now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, those are some dogs, man. That's, uh, that's real. That is, yeah, they, that was a good
1: offensive line for the most part. Didn't make a lot of mistakes, but when they did, Iowa State capitalized. Like
0: I do think you got to say though, like did. E- even still Iowa state's defensive line was disruptive. I mean, all of them were like any was did a really nice job of there were some times where any was just physically dominating people, pushing them backwards. You know, Zach Zach uh, Peterson had one play where he pushed somebody backwards. And then I can't remember who it was that ran up in the hole and made the tackle, but they, it had to have been a I'm sure Zach Zach
1: Peterson, I I think I remember listening to you and Jay on the Thursday show was talking about like, he, he needed to improve his first step or something like that. Talk about him! That dude is explosive. Yeah. 55. He's like, he looks like he's, I mean, tied to a cannonball and shot out of a cannon, like fast off the ball. And he was underneath the the shoulder, like underneath the chest plate of every guy that he was into. I was in the right spot a hundred percent of the time. No, but his effort was incredible and his explosiveness was absolutely bananas.
0: But that's what I'm saying on this play that I remember he was, I I remember it being towards the press box. So he was on like on that side of the field and he pushed the right tackle three yards into the backfield on a run play and then made the running back avoid, avoid him. And then whoever came in and tackled the running back just blew him up. I, I had to have been Aishim. Like it was just one of those hits that you know is Aishim Young. <laughs> <And> Aishim <laughs> Young was in there popping people, man. Oh, boy. You could tell that that guy was ready to hit somebody. But yeah, the, it, <clears throat>
1: the, Aishim Young, boy. You know, I was up in the – like the one time where he had a run fill that just went boom. When you I think it was make, that
0: play. It was that play.
1: It, when you can make an, a group of – I don't know how many people you think were in the press box, 100-ish. Eight fifty, yeah, yeah. fifty, seventy-five. It's called it seventy-five people. When you can make seventy-five people in unison go, Ooh, who are professionals at watching this and are told not to react to the game. When you can make all of them simultaneously make that noise, you know it's a good
0: hit. Yeah. Yeah. That was big time, man. I seems a heck of a player, uh, but yeah, we got, I'm glad that you shouted out daytron got his first career interception on Saturday. I don't know how, what career start that was, but God's first career interception and was really solid for the most part. I mean, I, I think that they're going to be perfectly fine at that position.
1: Yeah. They, they both corners. And I think Tavon Kyle even was playing nickel. I think like Kamana King and Tavon, it was 18 and 19. Were kind of hard to just like differentiate on the field with other paths. But I think Tavon Kyle was playing when they would run multiple wide receiver sets, they could put him in as a nickel and let him be the third quote third safety. And then he would kind of follow, be more of a coverage guy if they needed him to. So like they were still playing a bunch of guys on defense. Um, DJ Tampa played a lot. mm -hmm. Uh, TJ Tampa played a lot. Tavon Kyle, Daytron Young, Anthony Johnson, um, Amos, the safety, Eisworth, Ishim, um, Gary Vaughn is going to, whether, whether Orion Vance is healthy or not, I don't know. Um, but if Gary Vaughn plays like he did again, as filling in for it, Iowa State's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. It was perfect that Rory Wallen got the first tackle of the season too.
1: Oh, and just stuck him.
0: Yeah. Yes. That, that was about exactly what you, you ever could have expected. That went perfectly, except for the fact that Andrew Mivas kicked the ball like he was uh, like he <laughs> bladed a five iron or something. <laughs>
1: I think no, that one's uh that, that shot was it, it, I for for those that golf again two two golf metaphors in the same fart sorry uh but if you've if you've ever playing like playing by yourself and you're like ask the group in front of you like hey can I play through and it's a par five and you have to play driver and you like shit. Okay. Well, these guys think that I'm really good if I'm playing through. So I have to hit this drive. Perfect. And you try and swing as hard as you possibly can hit one off the heel. And it's like bounces off a pine tree about 30 yards in front of you. Cause you swung so hard that you couldn't even see where you were going. Yeah. That was Andrew Mevis on the first kick, like 99% of his blood flow was flowing on pure adrenaline. And completely forgot the technique to actually he, kick the football.
0: He knew that not only was this going to be his first ever kick at the in a Power Five game, uh, but he was also had the weight of knowing how kickoffs had been for Iowa State for the last <laughs> year and the way that the fans were going to react the second that he kicked one out of the end zone.
1: Oh man, yeah, but he got it. He got it back. It was the, uh, <laughs> congrats to Cyclone Nation for the loudest sarcastic applause known to man
0: yeah he died what four or five touchbacks i think Uh except the first one yeah yeah that was that was awesome that was good to see all right we'll take a quick break we'll come back and we'll talk about this game on saturday against the iowa hawkeyes when we uh on football and random things welcome back into football and random things on the cyclone fanatic podcast network all right jeff uh saturday afternoon in ames i with a showdown the highly anticipated some say most anticipated Hawk game of all time College game day will be back in town. Reese Davis will be walking into a hornet's nest. Uh, What sign will you be out there with to troll ESPN on their flagship college football show? Uh, Something
1: with like, uh, I apologize for no SEC being present at this moment. There's something to, the fact that even on, like when I was watching, I watched uh, Notre Dame, Florida State, at least a little bit of Notre Dame, Florida State on Sunday night. Uh, And at halftime, they were previewing, the two big games this weekend. I don't remember one of the, I don't remember the first one, uh, but the second one was Iowa state, Iowa
0: was probably uh, Ohio state and Oregon was probably the other one.
1: Ohio state, and Oregon. Yeah. That was the first one. And they're super comfortable talking about Ohio state and Oregon. And then in the second one, it almost felt like you were at the dentist's office and they were, they're asking you how your weekend was (laughs) like, you don't really want to talk about it, but you know, you have to talk about it. So you just kind of do and you give just enough detail that they don't ask any more questions, but not so much detail that they uh, they really care or get a good picture of it, like you just want the conversation to be over, that's about the enthusiasm that they talked about Iowa Iowa State because it uh, there are no SEC teams present at game day. And you know what? I'm sorry, ESPN. There is not, nor will there be. Sorry.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see – you know, you and I kind of talked about it before we, we started recording. I think that the, I mean, I think people are excited obviously, but the excitement level is considerably lower than it was the last time they came, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure just comes with the fact that they've done it before. You know, it's not, it's not something new. So it's just not as exciting when it's not something new, but I'm interested to see what it will be like in comparison to the first time.
1: I think it's still like right now it's, it, we're recording this on labor day. So like it's a holiday. Uh, we've not had enough time to, you know, really like be, inter- interact with other people a, a ton. Um, uh, so I- I'm sure there is going to be once you get kind of back to work and back to the gym and back to hanging out with your friends, the restaurants or whatever, there's going to be some like excite, more built up excitement for it. So I think by like Thursday, Friday, it's going to get, not necessarily to a true like fever pitch, but it's going to be pretty hopped up by the time Thursday, Friday rolls around, um, but yeah, it's not quite the same. Like when they announced that college game day was coming last time, people were like bouncing off the walls, excited. Right. But but this time it's like, cool. We deserve it this time. Thank you. You are coming to, you are actually doing what we expect you to do come to coming to Ames for this really, really important game. So I think it's going to be kind of fun. I'm, you know, you don't know when it's going to come back. So I'm going to be there at butt crack of dawn just to make sure you kind of soak in all the experience of what's, what's going on. And, Get to the tailgate lots as early as you can, and make sure you s- stay lucid enough to have t- do TV at ten,
0: and after that, enjoy the game. I envision Saturdays the environment around the stadium, the environment inside the stadium at the you know before the game starts being tense. I think it'll be intense environment with mm-hmm. the way that I mean, obviously this is a huge game for both teams, but when you factor in it being in Ames, a pro Iowa State crowd haven't beat him in five years. Like, I think that this is going to be just a powder keg of uh, you'll be able to cut the tension with a knife. I, I think, I,
1: think. I, I bet not until about one o'clock. I think before then it's just going to be like a party atmosphere of like, Hey, you know, cause like I have cousins that went to Iowa. I have, you know, uncles that went to Iowa, like my, sorry, I, you know, it's okay. I, there's we all have black sheep in the family. But like, you know, you have friends, whatever, like there's just a natural in-state rivalry and they're your friends and whatever your tailgate, but then like one, one thirty rolls around. And like, you can actually hear that, like the players are kind of coming onto the field, like the kickers or whatever are doing kind of their pregame stuff. And you're like, Oh, this, the game is coming now. It's not like we're not having the state fair anymore. Like this is a game and this game matters. And so I think it's going to, yeah, it's going to start to get tense. The closer and closer it gets to kickoff. And I think for good reason, like this is going to be, I don't know, Iowa looked really good I, on Saturday. Uh, again, it's never as good as it looks and never as bad, never as, bad as it looks. Um, but it, 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 I think the line, I, I text you like on Saturday, late, late night when we got back, I think the initial line was like, Iowa State. Minus by, four.
0: It was four, and it it's actually moved towards Iowa State now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Jack Trice has got to be worth what? three and a half. Last time I looked ahead, I don't I don't expect that to happen throughout the week, though. I would be yeah. surprised if the line does not swing towards Iowa. It, yeah, I bet I would, Iowa State will close as like a two and a half point favorite.
1: Yeah, that's my thought. Like two and a half, three and a half, somewhere in there. Like it's going to be more or less. If this was a neutral field, it'd be a pick'em game. Like Jack Trice is the advantage, which is the reason why Iowa State would be favored. Um, but it's these, both these teams are very, very similar to each other. Like they have really good offensive line. Like Linderbaum is probably the best center in, in the country. Uh, you have good secondary players that are always in the right spot. You have a uh, running back that is dynamic explosive. You have a tight end. Uh, I forget La Rosa. i 84 LaPorta, Sam LaPorta. Laporta. He's good. Like you have a good tight end on both sides. You have offenses that are not predicated around huge giant chunk plays. It's around, we're going to out execute you all the way down the field. And then you have just physicality everywhere. So like these teams are really mirror images, mirror images of each other. And they go about it in different ways. Where like, I was uh, Iowa runs a true hard four down front that they try and two gap everything. And we've talked about two gapping on here. If you're not sure, go back and listen to any one of the previous episodes about Iowa. Uh, they, play a pretty conservative. They tend not to bring a ton of pressure where Iowa State will mix in pressures, especially this year. That's one thing I noticed on Saturday is they brought a lot more blitzes, uh, which is neat to see. But Iowa State's more multiple and more kind of dynamic in what they call on defense where iowa state is a lot more vanilla and they're just we're going to be really good at what we do so defensively they do the same things just in different ways offensively they do the same things in different ways so it's going to be who out executes the other one like who makes bigger mistakes and who just does the stuff better because one team is not ultimately better than the other one from a talent perspective it's just all right let's see your guts like how are you going to do uh a when you have to move that defensive end out of the way, are you going to move him or is he going to get, is he going to stuff the gap and and cause a play to get blown
0: up? Like that's how this is going to come down to is just execution. This is like Ali Frazier. This is like a heavyweight. This, this game is going to be like a heavyweight fight, I think. And it's going to be one that's going to go 10 rounds. It's just, it like bloom tweeted out that there was only 20 possessions in that game on Saturday between the two teams. I mean, it's this going to be the same time type of game in my mind where it will be very low possession, low play number. And it will just be, you better have brought your machete to the knife fight because we're going to be going all night long here. And it's going to be, I mean, you talk about physical,
1: like (laughs) as, as much fun as it was, like I got goosebumps every time, like even a position group would come onto the field. Cause I was down kind of wandering the sidelines and, uh, you're like the, the running backs come out or the wide receivers come out of the tunnel, the crowd goes nuts. And then, you know, Kanye West starts playing. They do the, uh, the, the, the weather report type thing,
0: uh-huh.
1: that, that energy in the stadium now take that and crank it up another two notches. And that's, what's going to be on Saturday. Like the pure energy and like the adrenaline of it. And like, I would imagine being at Kinnick was similar to at being at Jack Trice against UNI. Uh, but Iowa, Iowa state is another level of, energy and so like all that juice that's flowing through your like every part of your body you're going to have to put that into a dude that is feeling the exact same thing and is really good at what they do so like yeah who's going to execute better and there's going to be so much guts that like you're going to be exhausted on sunday not just because like physically exhausted like emotionally exhausted just from having exerted so much energy and like emotional energy
0: into that game It'll be good to be able to go to Vegas and play a team that also lost to an FCS team last weekend. Uh, yeah, substantially worse. Next works. week. Uh, all right. So, what are the things you think Iowa State's going to need to be focusing on? What are the things that you want to see early in the game on Saturday to feel good about it? As it as it's getting closer, or as well, it, as think, it's going?
1: So, one thing I noticed uh, against Indiana is that I would trust their secondary a lot. Not implicitly in play calling, but in just the way that their linebackers are going to play like their linebackers play downhill hard. And like number 44, I don't know his name, the middle linebacker, Is it uh, Jack Campbell. I, I have no idea, but like 44 is the most Iowa middle linebacker, middle linebacker of all time. Like he's got the neck Seth role. Benson dude name. plays straight downhill. Like he is straight line, kind of fast, but like he is a middle linebackers, middle linebacker, and he is going to come and thump. Well, and the, they allow him to do that. Cause that's where he's comfortable. It's that is to, not to, to bring Jeremiah George up again. That's the way Jeremiah like to play is play in the box. I'm going to punch you in the sternum because you can't handle this level of physicality. That's the way he plays, but he's able to play downhill so fast because of how much confidence they have in the secondary. And so there's two things that you can address because they play so downhill is establish a running game that makes it so, whether it's b- moving offensive linemen, bringing tight ends back, bringing fullbacks out in front leading, because that type of downhill stuff is really good for stuffing plays for zero or one yards, but it's also going to open you up to nine, 10, 12 yard play. So if you can crease that good because they play downhill so hard, uh, that's going to be a big way to do it. And also play action. Like if Charlie's able to go, or if he's not, then your intermediate like the passing game right behind where the linebackers are if you can do intermediate passing or play action stuff to keep the linebackers back that's a thing that I think Iowa State outside of just generally executing better specific to Iowa is if they can do that then that's going to make it so Iowa has to do something a little bit different because they want to play downhill leave most of the coverage to their safeties their corners uh, and let the linebackers play in the run game for the most part so I'm that's what I would say is establish the running game to the point where you're hitting, not maybe, you know, you'd love 60, 70 yard plays, but where it's eight, 12, 15, 13 yards, seven yards on a first down. Like if you're doing that type of running game, then that forces linebackers to think a little bit more before inserting right away. And then, yeah, being able to run right behind or complete passes right behind where they are, it slows them down, which makes things again, a little bit easier to move around. And so I think offensively, it's still make good decisions like they had been, but clean up the stupid mistakes. And then if you can, okay, I, I would love to have Charlie back for this game. Again, I don't know. Neither one of us are going to know, but I would love to be able to get him to be able to play. And again, if not, then be able to complete the passes where he normally would be catching them. I would be very
0: surprised if he didn't play. If he did not play. Yeah. Honestly. He suited I, he I think he about. was very close to being able to play on Saturday, but if they'd been playing Iowa last week, he probably would have played and
1: he had, he was suited up. He went through warmups and I'm guessing what they said was, um, we're going to, we're going to dress you. And if it gets to the point where we feel like it's necessary, we can put you in there, but we're going to plan on you not playing, but dress and go through the warm up, go through the routine, see how it feels, get back, get those jitters out, that kind of thing. And we'll have you for next week. That's kind of what it looked like. But again, we don't know any information. We are just speculating.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Then defensively, what's the biggest thing to to focus on ahead of uh, this game. I mean, I, I think that that unit played so well, it's just normal preparation, but yeah, I mean that, and just buckle your chin straps, like
1: just like, I mean, it's going to feel a lot like you and I with a more accurate passer, like a less mobile, but more accurate passer. So Spencer Petras, again, he played pretty well. I think all things held or all things held equal. He was pretty accurate. He was pretty on rhythm. Uh, not everything was pretty and he threw a lot of balls away and not, you know, again, it's not ideal. It's week one, Wave, hand wave a little bit on week one to them um but it's going to be like playing this game again where really good physical offensive line you got a you and i has a first round or first or second round draft pick he's playing tackle iowa has a first or second round draft pick he's just playing center you got one stud you got a couple other guys that are really good uh you have a this is different in that they running back is probably one of the top three four most talented running backs in the country so you have to bring your i mean bring your just buckle the chin straps up a little bit tighter bite down that mouth guard a little bit tighter. Cause you're going to have to deal with a lot of physicality. Um, but it's just execute. Cause I mean, I, I could call Iowa's offense with as much as, which the, as little as they've changed over the years, it's not exceptionally difficult to predict what they're going to do. You just have to be able to stop it. They want to throw to the tight ends. They want to run play action. They want to run stretch zone. They like to run power. They're going to try and get pro formation, even if it's out of a shotgun, it's just an attached fullback tight end and then a running back. They're going to be running the same stuff. You know what they're going to do. It's not a surprise. It's just, can you execute against them? Because they're always really good up front, always really good at running back. That's, so just bring your chin strap. I mean, buckle
0: it up and bite down that mouth guard. Do you have any other general college football thoughts after week one? Um, I I feel like, I mean, props to
1: most, national media i i don't have like i don't check into twitter very much um so it's hard to get like a true pulse on it so you might have a better idea on it but i think props to most fans and media outlets across the country for kind of taking week one as like well this was weird week one on to the next rather than being like oklahoma's gonna they're they're not even a top 25 team you know clemson drop them out of the you know like it's it, some dumb stuff happens. And last year was weird. Like this is a weird week one. Let's see what happens this week. Let's hold off judgment until we see how they improve. So I think there was a lot of weird stuff. Alabama looks like they're right now head and shoulders above everybody. They might be, they might not be. I mean, Minnesota might be really good. Ohio state might be really, Iowa state might be really good. Who knows? Like Alabama looks Northern like Iowa 40.
0: could be the number one FCS team in the country. And they're going to yeah. a- average 12 points a game on offense.
1: Yeah. Who who knows? Like so it's, uh, they week one was just weird. So like across the country, if you are a, if you have a rooting interest or a vested interest of any other teams and they might've have not have performed as well as you thought, or conversely, again, like our, our friends or air quotes, friends across the state, 34 to 10 or whatever it was 34 to six. Like that's probably not a realistic score. If you play Indiana in week 10, like there, it's not going to be the same week because week one, weird stuff happens. So weird stuff happened. Let's see what happens from big improvement time from week one to week two.
0: For sure. Shout out to Mackenzie Milton, what he did last night, man. That was really cool for, to see him lead the Florida state down the field, force that game into overtime. I just wanted to say that cause uh, that was a pretty cool story. Um, all right, man. Well, we'll talk to you on Friday. Uh, well, I'll talk to you on Friday. Everybody will hear us on Saturday on the tailgate show. And uh, you said you're gonna have your column on Wednesday. Yep. Call him to be to you on Wednesday or by Wednesday. And, Should be able to read that time. Cool. Everybody can look forward to that. We'll talk to you guys again here later on in the week. Have a happy rest of your Labor Day weekend. Peace.